Welcome back to the South Harbor Church Podcast. South Harbor is a part of the Harbor Churches, which exist to help people find their way back to God. This week, our worship director, Jared Heddens, walks us through the fourth commitment in our partnership series as we take a look at what it means to partner with God on mission. As always, for more information about how you can become a part of the South Harbor Church community, stick around after the message. And now, let's head over to Jared. Hi, my name is Jared. If we haven't met before, I am the worship director here. Um, but uh, part of what I also get to do is to spend some of the time uh, that I have here thinking about missions and outreach and uh, all kinds of things that go into that category. So today, uh, we're going to be looking at the fourth commitment. If you haven't been with us for the last few weeks, we've been in a series where we've been looking at what we're calling our partnership commitments. Uh, and so uh, the past few weeks, we've been working through these commitments. Today, uh, we're looking at commitment four, which is our commitment to join God in his mission. And so today, I get to share with you some things about what it means to be on mission with God, with each other. Uh, and I'm excited <laughs> to share those things with you. I have to wake up my tablet. Okay. Uh, before we get too far into talking about mission, I just want to acknowledge the fact that this word gets used so many different ways in so many different places. So I did the fun thing is like jump into Google and find out like what are some places where the word mission gets used. So I tried to find some pop references. We'll see if they're actually popular. Okay, first one. The one that comes to almost all our minds is Mission Impossible. Okay. It's a movie. I went with the original Tom Cruise because there's so many of them now to pick from. Uh, we have an engineering company called Mission Engineering. They make guitar pedals. That's something that I think is cool. Uh, we have Mission Point Resort on Mackinac Island. Very beautiful place. Anybody been there? Oh, we got some hands. Oh, I, I just, cool. Was it nice? Yeah, cool. It looks great. Okay, uh, we have a style of furniture called Mission Style Furniture. Okay, uh, we have a super deep Star Wars nerddom time. We have Mission Veo. She's from a mid-90s RPG that's based on the Star Wars universe. Anybody else? And so that's going to be no hands. Okay, uh, moving on. We have global missions and the RCA's efforts into missionaries and mission efforts around the world. And then we have a mission statement here at Harbor Churches, which is helping people find their way back to God. So... Okay, when we talk about like joining God in his mission, we're, I'm pretty sure we're not talking about joining him in a mid-90s video game, right? Okay, so what are we talking about? Uh, I think in order to do that, we have to at first say, what is God's mission? I think it's probably pretty important that we actually narrow down what is God's mission in the world and can we actually know what that is? So we're gonna actually, let's take apart the word mission and see if we can figure some things out. Okay, so before we actually do that though, uh, let's play a little game. Uh, how many, I need a response from someone. How many definitions do you think there are for the word mission in the Merriam and Webster dictionary? Shout them out. Several, that's <laughs> cheating. Uh, four, four is a good guess. Anybody, a couple more, what's that? 15, 10, there are 13, Mike wins. All right, and if that wasn't enough, let's look at them. Ready? Actually, the word mission comes in three parts of speech. There's nouns, there's verbs, and there's adjectives. Here's the nouns. 
a specific task with which a person or group is charged, a definite military, naval, or aerospace task, a flight operation or an aircraft or spacecraft in the performance of a mission, a pre-established and often self-imposed objective or purpose. Calling or vocation, a body of persons sent to perform a service or carry out an activity such as, oh, we have A and Bs in these two, by the way, uh, a group sent to a foreign country to conduct diplomatic or political negotiations, a permanent embassy or legation, a team of specialists or cultural leaders sent to a foreign country, a ministry commissioned by a religious organization to propagate its faith or carry on humanitarian work, an assignment to or work in a field of missionary enterprise, a missionary establishment, a local church or a parish, dependent on a larger religious organization for direction or financial support. Missions, plural, because we have to have a plural one apparently, organized missionary work and a course of sermons or services given to convert the unchurched or quicken. Oh, that says Christ faith, but it should say Christian faith. That's just the noun. Here's the verb. Will you, they take it easy on us on the verb. To send or to entrust with a mission to carry on a religious mission among or in. And apparently the adjective literally only refers to the furniture. <laughs> so we won't, have to, we won't have to wrestle through that one today. Um, unless, what was it? Chris mentioned last week. Some of y'all are into probably Chris and Joanna Gaines. Maybe they know something. I don't know. I can't. Uh, so... When we say hey, God's mission, right? We're not talking about a military campaign, although many of these other definitions actually in some ways encompass many of the aspects of God's mission in the world. Today, what I want to zero in on a little bit is this idea of a specific group of people who are sent on a specific set of tasks right into the world. And so to understand what our tasks are, uh, we first need to understand what the mission is that we're being sent on before we can know our role in that mission. So uh, God's mission in the world kind of comes in like two big phases, right? And so God's mission, phase one, is to send Jesus into the world. And uh, we read uh, in John's gospel, maybe one of the most familiar passages, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, I know this in the King James, uh, that his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God sets the stage for his mission in the world. He says that he loved it so much that he sent Jesus to save it. And if you were here, if you've been with us for a while, right, we did a whole series on Genesis and we wrestled at the beginning of Genesis with this reality of like sin and brokenness in the world. And we've come to realize that God's been on a mission since that moment to save this world, right? Timings are what they are, uh, but Jesus sent, God sent Jesus because he loved the world so much. Then Jesus arrives on the scene and he teaches a bunch of things. And then after he teaches those things, he says, do what I do. He gives this instruction over and over and over. Uh, he in, here's a bunch of examples that we see. He says, for I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. He says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's what he did, right? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. These are all of the examples that Jesus made. And then he invites us to follow him in this example. Which brings us kind of to the next sort of like 
key idea that we have to wrestle with as we're kind of working through God's mission in the world. So he sends Jesus. Then Jesus tells us this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great, first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And we need to hold in tension this idea of love, right? It's, this is the kind of love that leads Jesus to the cross in our place. It's this kind of all-encompassing, self-sacrificial love that is behind what many have called the double love command, right? Love God, love people. When Jesus says love, he isn't referring only to how we feel about God, as if we have full control over how we feel about God, right? But he's also talking about living in that sort of living sacrifice kind of way that Paul talks about. Um, Jesus has a conversation with Peter, one of his disciples, after Jesus is resurrecting, he has this conversation with Peter. They're having this moment of reconciliation. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus' reply to him is, then feed my sheep, right? This idea that love is action. Jesus says that that action is to care for people. So God sends Jesus into the world to offer salvation to all of creation out of his immense love. Jesus teaches us that we should love God and love others. He says we should set aside our own selfish desires. We should intentionally take on Jesus' way of living which sounds great or hard or awesome or impossible or maybe all of the above. Like, can we be honest that like, I don't know always if I can follow in the ways of Jesus all the time, every day. So what are we gonna do about that? First, I think we should remember that Jesus' mission doesn't end, Jesus, God's mission in the world doesn't end at the resurrection. It's really just sort of the end of phase one. <laughs> if I may be so bold, there is phase two, all right? And so uh, let's take a look at phase two. God's phase two in his mission in the world is about making disciples. And uh, this passage that we're gonna read in just a second is uh, often referred to as the Great Commission. Uh, we're gonna come back to this idea of a co-mission, right? A mission that's done together. Um, but Jesus says this when he sends the disciples out. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think one of the most encouraging things about this passage is actually the part where we see that Jesus is still on mission, <laughs> He says to his disciples, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, right? And he knows he's gonna ascend and we've kind of got to wrestle with like, okay, how is Jesus with us always, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit comes later and, and fills the believers, right? But the thing that, that is so important here is to see that even then, Jesus has this idea that the mission is done together that the disciples don't go alone. He doesn't send them on their own in their own power to try to accomplish this mission, which in many ways probably sounds pretty impossible. Go to the, all the world, make disciples? How would we even do that? So the first thing that he sets up is this idea that we should go together, right? 
Paul follows the same model from Jesus, right? As we read, Paul went on a bunch of missionary journeys we can read around in the Bible. He goes all these places, and he almost always has someone else with him. Sometimes the, he calls them co-laborers in the gospel, right? This idea that these are, this is my buddy, that we are going on this trip together, and we're going to do this thing. We're not going to be alone in this, right? Sometimes it's a, someone that he's bringing along or encouraging in the faith, uh, Timothy, right? He sends a letter to Timothy, who's this young leader in the church, and he's kind of guiding and coaching him. But there's this idea that they do this together. It seems clear then to, uh, to me that we should also follow in this same pattern. That this mission was always intended to be carried out through and with relationships. When God's relationship with humanity was broken in the garden... He sends Jesus to get right back in the space with humanity, right? Then we see Jesus living his life out in front of people with groups of people, teaching them his ways, and then sending them out in groups to repeat the process wherever they could find people who would listen to them. Okay, so God's mission has been to save the world. Phase one was to send Jesus. Phase two, then, is Jesus commissions his church, his family, to go out and repeat this process of making disciples that he, had done, has, that he has done. So on a really practical level, uh, many of us have spent some real quality time building like new activities or practices into our life uh, that help us join God's mission. I think for many of us, we've seen really good fruits from that labor. This has been good work and the good news has gone out into the world. For others of us, we look at our schedules and go, there is just no way I can put something else in here. And I just want to say that I feel this too. Uh, at one point this past fall, we had two separate soccer practices, robotics, cross country, family dinner maybe, and the transportation to get between all those things. That was just Monday night, right? And some of y'all are going, oh yeah, I feel you. The idea of trying to figure out how to also like find a new Bible study or some volunteering opportunity or something else to also go on that list is daunting at best for many of us. What I want to offer is that there is another way to go about this that would not require you necessarily to do that, but that would allow us to be on mission. One of the things that I want to propose is that the model for this is actually built on the idea of family. Uh, and before we dig into this idea of family, I want to recognize that for some of us, our family experiences and stories are awesome. And for some of us, they're really painful and they're really hard. And it can be tough to wrestle with the idea of family when it's like, okay, but now we want to take this idea of family. One of the things that I want to say is that we are part of God's family. And that while your, your earthly, maybe biological or adopted family may have operated under a certain set of rules, we think that God's family operates under a different set of guidelines in many cases. And we've kind of sort of distilled many of them into our partnership commitments. First, we think this family should put Jesus as its leader. Right? We think we should take next steps. Right? We should grow in our faith and in our understanding of Jesus. 
And then we should work to create communities of belonging, places where people are welcome to come in, right? And the truth is we could kind of stop there, actually. Communities of belonging sound really awesome. That sounds like something I want to be a part of. But the risk we run, of course, if we do that, is that the message stays here and doesn't go. We have to wrestle with the fact that Jesus says go, right? And so we must join God's mission in the world. Now, this idea of family, right? What does it mean to be a part of God's family going into the world? Um, Paul writes to the Galatians, and he says something that goes like this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have been adopted into God's family. Which means we, right here, look around. No, seriously, look around. (laughs) This is your family, okay? We were never meant to go on this mission alone. So, What would it mean to reorient ourselves around a family that doesn't do mission or go on mission, but is a family that is on mission together? Not where we go do something distinct from our lives, but where we actually live our lives in ways that actually align us to God's mission in the world, which is to go make disciples. So what would it look like for you to spend a little time thinking about the things you already do and who the people are that do those things or might maybe want to do them with you? What would it mean to invite someone into a space in your life with some intentionality towards building relationships that ultimately point people to Jesus? This was Jesus' example to follow. He invited people into his life. And when he called his disciples, he said, follow me. And he invited them into the very most mundane aspects of his life. So what would committing our time, talent, and treasure look like in this sort of family on mission model? It definitely starts with placing Jesus at the center of your life. That is really important. (laughs) And then it involves inviting people into that life that you have centered on Jesus. There's an idea that we should hold on to when we think about inviting people into our life. Um, Jesus, uh, there's a point uh, where Jesus has trained a a larger group of people, uh, 72, and he's going to send them out ahead of him, and he gives them some instructions, and part of the instructions to that 72 is how to know who to engage, because it's interesting that he doesn't tell them to engage everyone. In fact, he implies that there are going to be some people they're not going to go to. What he tells them is he says, when you go into a town, if somebody says, hey, how you doing? (laughs) Start there. Uh, And then he says, if they invite you in, stay with them. And then he also says, if they don't, walk away. I think this is a really interesting concept because it changes the conversation about how we think about who we go to and who we engage and who we invite in. I'm guessing that most of us could think of someone that kind of would fit into this category uh, these are called people of peace, right? People of peace seem to like you. They seem to listen to what you have to say. And they accept challenge from you. 
right? When, when there's something that you need to say to them, they also say, yes, I, I'm welcome to hear that. I wonder if we can think of someone who would fit this category. Now, once you've identified some of these people, it's time to invite them into your life or maybe into a deeper space in your life. Oftentimes, these are folks we already know. And we're not talking about every hour of every day. I don't think that's really possible. But what are some things you're already doing that you can invite someone into? Like really, really like regular kinds of stuff, like grocery shopping. <laughs> what would it look like to invite someone to go grocery shopping with you? Or the gym. We talk about the gym a lot, right? Maybe your own Bible study. What about mowing the lawn? You invite somebody to mow the lawn with you. Fixing a car, swapping out light bulbs. Maybe just inviting that coworker over for dinner, right? I think so many of us, we have these people in our lives and we're like, you know, I really should probably have them over. Make the invitation. Or is there something you're really good at? Maybe you've become a leader people want to follow or great at organizing chaos or found that when you explain things, people understand them. Maybe your advice is really helpful. Maybe you found yourself gathering people for mutual benefit. Maybe you love telling people about Jesus. Maybe you're great at throwing parties. This is a, these ideas, these come out of a, a list of what we call spiritual gifts that we find in the New Testament, things that the Holy Spirit has poured out onto his people so that God's mission can go forward in the world. I think most of us could say there is something that I'm good at that I could share with someone else. These gifts are a part of what make you uniquely you. And the truth is, is we need that. God's mission in the world needs you to be a part of it because God has uniquely prepared you for something and for someone. And he's asking if you would engage that. Now, what I'm hoping is that this kind of more organic way of living is, sounds like good news. And I also wanna realize that uh, it may be hard to identify a people, a person or a space where this could apply. And if that's true, I wanna invite you to pray. Ask God to show you who he would have you go to, what space he would have you in. I also wanna say that this may sound really intimidating or problematic, like how does it work to invite somebody to mow my lawn with me? I think those are great questions. <laughs> uh, but remember, we are not meant to do the mission alone. We're not meant to do any part of the mission alone. You probably have, I hope you have, some people in your life already who you trust, who you would listen to if you went to them and you asked them, hey, could you help me figure this thing out? What do you see in me that's, that's good and valuable that I could consider putting into the world and could consider doing alongside of somebody else? Those folks can help you grow and discern, and sort of ironically, probably will become some of your first people of peace. And you will discover this family on mission. Now, up to this point, we haven't talked about a lot of other specific activities that maybe seem obvious when we're talking about mission, like we mentioned at the beginning about like missionaries and mission work. That is also a part of this whole puzzle. And I believe that some of us are called to leave our home contexts, maybe temporarily, maybe permanently, that from the beginning, 
Movement has been a part of this. Paul, right, he travels, right? He goes all over the place to bring the gospel to people. And one of the things that we've learned is that the best way to do this kind of travel missions is to do it through the context of relationships. As we come back to this idea that we are a family, we are God's family, we are joined through the spirit by Jesus into this family that does mission together. So as we're kind of working through these ideas, uh, there's a couple of resources I would love for you to consider digging into. Uh, And true confession time, most of what I've thought about in here today has come from a book called Family on Mission uh, that's written by Mike and Sally Breen. Um, And it sort of sets this idea for like changing from a family that does mission to this family on mission that we talked about today. Another great resource is The Surprise the World by uh, Michael Frost. And again, it's sort of this like, how do you live your life in a way that puts you on God's mission of making disciples? Uh, Both of these are really practical kinds of books, like they start with some good theology and some good Bible, and they move into actually like how to actually do this thing out into the world. Uh, And I would love for you to consider wrestling through these things. Uh, If global missions is just your jam, right? If getting out away from where I live right now and figuring out how to do missions, there's a a curriculum online called Perspectives uh, that is a fantastic resource for, for understanding the why. Why do we go into the world and do this kind of mission work? And of course, if you would rather just talk to us, I would love to talk to you. I know Tim would love to talk to you. Rob would love to talk to you. Abby would love to talk to you when she comes back from her maternity leave. Some of this stuff can be a little challenging to wrestle through. And we would love to sit down and like mine out. Like if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, or if you're just not sure like how to engage that person that you feel God calling you to, we would love to wrestle through those kinds of things with you or to even walk through some of these resources together. Uh, they're pretty fantastic. So I hope that going forward, we can dream a little differently about God's mission and our role in it. We have been invited by the almighty creator of the universe to join him on his mission to save the world. He asks us to mimic him, to follow him in the example set by Jesus, to love God and love people. And perhaps the most encouraging thing is that he promises to be with us every step of the way. And he has given each one of us a gift that we are meant to share with the world. Before uh, this message, we sang this song, Send Me. And the song has a list in it. The orphan child the outsider, the one in need, the least of these. God's heart is for those that fit these descriptions. And at one time or another, in the past or in the future, every single one of us is gonna find ourselves in one of these spaces at some point. This list is all around us and it's all throughout the world. Let's ask God to send us to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, even our church community to leverage the gifts he has given for his mission. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we're so grateful that you would invite us in. 
God, we're so grateful for the example of your son, Jesus, who came into the world, who called people from all backgrounds, all different places, different kinds of people, and he put them together into a family, and he said, this is how we change the world. God, we're grateful that you would send Jesus to save the world. God, we ask that you would stir in us that desire to be a part of your mission. God, would you show us our role in your mission? Would you remind us that you have not sent us alone, but that you send us with each other and in the power of your Holy Spirit? And then God, would your name be lifted high? Would your kingdom come on this earth? And would we sense the family that you have made in order to bring all this about? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, we hope that this week's message has brought you both some challenge and some blessing. For more information about how you can become a part of the South Harbor Church community, find us on the web at www.southharbor.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at South Harbor Church. On Sunday mornings, you can find our service streamed live at 9 a.m. on our Facebook page. And so once again, from all of us here at South Harbor and the Harbor Churches, we want to wish you a blessed week.